You're listening to Lead Through Values, where America's Chief Culture Officer, James Mayhew, helps you create a high-performance workplace by building strong leaders, enhancing communication, and accelerating productivity. And now, here's your host, James Mayhew. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Lead Through Values podcast. This is your host and your coach, your Chief Culture Officer, James Mayhew. And I just want to thank you for being here. Uh, it, it is so rewarding to get your feedback. I have people that text me or email me uh, messages, uh, you know, just encouragement. And so I'm just grateful that you're here. Uh, this I want this to be not just where I'm talking at you. I want this to be something that is useful for you, that helps you be better at what you do. Because I'm going to tell you, my life would be so in a, in a different place. And I'm not saying it would be better. I'm just saying it'd be in a different place. If I would have known 10 or 15 years ago, the stuff that we're talking about. And so I can't help. I like, I am compelled to want to pass this on to you. So again, I'm just grateful that you're here. Now today's podcast, uh, is actually kind of like a, uh, I don't know if it's a prequel or a sequel, but, but certainly related to episode 41, where I was talking about better practices for, for holding one-on-one meetings. Now, in today's episode, I want to extrapolate that a little further. I want to talk to you about an unintended outcome that you may not be aware of that could lead to having a lot of stress on your team, a lot of stress for you personally, and, and overall just a disruption for your business. Now, that unintended outcome is what I'm about to share with you regarding this meeting between a manager and employee meeting. So I want to play kind of like a, a scenario out with you. Okay. So stick with me here. Let's say that you have a standing one-on-one meeting with one of your team members. It's on the calendar at the same time, month after month, and perhaps it's been going on for the better part of a year or, or even more. And you're, you're, ta- you're kind of wondering, should I continue these? Uh, you hear through the, you know, through the great Brian and talking through other managers around that they're actually cutting these. They're scaling back either all of them or the frequency of their one-on-one meetings because, you know, after all, hey, we need to be as productive with our time as possible. And we get pulled a lot of different directions. And you think to yourself, you know, I've been a manager for several years here. You're pretty much up to speed on what's going on and the number of meetings that you're required to be in uh, especially with upper management, that's continuing to increase. And then you learn also just kind of floating this with your team that they also have kind of been feeling like these one-on-one meetings aren't really all that necessary. You're hearing that they feel like they're kind of of, of redundant or stagnant. One of them even called them pointless. <laughs> and you, you, you take a minute and you reflect on this and you know, this time used to be more productive. You know, when you're thinking back to, man, we used to have pretty good productive one-on-one meetings, but over, say, the past six-plus months or so, uh, or or maybe it's the six-plus months per person, like the first six months, they're really productive, and then they kind of have this decline. You know, they feel routine, and they kind of become another box to check off. Meeting done, got her done. And what you're realizing by reflecting on this and talking with them is that the part that you feel is essential, which is is really the update, the, that update part, 
it's over in like five minutes because your, your questions have kind of been boiled down to how is the project coming and is there anything you need from me? And so you get answers like, it's going good. Nope, don't need anything from you. Everything's good. And the result is it kind of feels like you're, you're both just satisfied with overall progress. Hey, everything's fine and good. <clears throat> and since you're all so busy with the work, like the other managers, you end up making the decision to end having regular one-on-one -on -one employee meetings. But you reassure everybody, listen, it's not that we aren't going to meet. It's just that we aren't going to use that, that scheduled time. Uh, you know, my door's always open. We'll have conversations. And such, everybody agrees to it. We'll meet when we need to. So weeks go by. Now, there haven't been any scheduled meetings, but there's this occasional flyby for you to, to, do, to do a check-in. Sometimes it happens around the water cooler. Sometimes it happens on the way to the bathroom or a break or, you know, uh, when you pass each other in the halls. Hey, how are things going? Anything you need from me? And you get mostly those same short answers. Now, it can appear that things are going well. You hear a few small ideas, uh, suggestions around, hey, we could, we could do better with flex time here or ideas for the next um, uh, team party. Let's do a pizza day. Let's celebrate this. Uh, but one day something happens. Your best employee sends you a meeting invite and you accept that meeting request for tomorrow afternoon. And that's when they drop the bomb. They sit down with you and you can tell they're, they've got something that's hard to say. And here's what you hear. I wanted you to know that I've accepted a new position with company XYZ. And I start next month on the 10th. Boss, this is my two weeks notice. I'm, I'm leaving. And you're surprised. Caught off guard. You're taken aback and so you ask why. And what you hear rocks you a little bit. And by rocking you, I'm telling you, it, it stings. In fact, you might even feel a little frustrated by what they say. Because what they're telling you sounds like this. I have an opportunity to do some really important work. And they're looking for someone just like me to develop that position into a bigger role. And at that moment, oh, you feel betrayed because you've been talking about that same scenario with them for, say, the past six months. But something hasn't clicked. They haven't felt it. Uh they don't believe it. They don't, they don't know it. They're, they're just unaware of it. And can I just suggest that maybe that's because those meetings were canceled? Or the reason that those meetings were canceled was because there wasn't that kind of development happening. Development needs to happen in those progress meetings. You're talking about what can they be working on? What are some upcoming things that that uh, are, are big projects that maybe they could take ownership of, uh, that they could build a team around? But but we canceled them. Or they simply weren't happening in those conversations. And that's why you're losing people. And so it's clear they're moving. They're moving on. They're letting you go. So you're gracious. 
you wish them well and you mean it. And you need to kind of pick yourself up a little bit. So you go to your closest peer, another manager, and realize that in talking with them, they just lost two people last week in a similar fashion. Now, this might be hitting home with you right now because this exact scenario is common in business. Now, is it because there's a lack of opportunity in a company? I don't believe so. Is it the result of of employees who are disengaged, who only want better pay or more benefits? Maybe. It's, I'm going to tell you, it's probably unlikely. Is it something else, though? Is it something bigger or deeper? Have you ever considered that the reason that people are leaving has little to do with pay and benefits or even other opportunity? Could the old adage of people don't quit companies, they quit bosses actually be true? By the way, that is true. But sometimes managers end up taking the fall when it's actually a series of small things that a company does or allows to happen consistently over time that eventually leads to formerly great employees wanting to leave. Now, I would tell you that you don't have an employee engagement or a benefits and compensation package issue. Can I say that one more time? I believe you don't have an employee engagement issue or a comp package issue. And and some of you are going to wrestle with that. But here's why I'm saying that. What you actually have is an execution issue. And that is an unintended shift in your workplace culture. If you go back through the scenario that I was just talking through, the cause wasn't that meetings went away. In my made-up example, which... A reminder, that's a very real one, that meeting had gone away long before they were ever deleted off the calendar. Those meetings had lost their effectiveness. They had lost their impact. Nobody was showing up prepared. There was no takeaways. There was no meaningful uh, things happening from feedback and accountability or just even dreaming, even talking about uh, what did they learn? What are they finding? It was a meeting that had died before it was deleted from the calendar. And, and the substance of those meetings has probably been, had probably been gone for months, okay? As we continue to investigate further, you'll find that the reason people are largely just going through the motions is because there's no real connection between your company's strategy, its desired culture, and its execution strategy, That connection, that gap of that connection is why people feel like they're just going through the motions and they're showing up to get the work done between eight and five. By the way, if you look at Gallup research, and I do a lot of work with Gallup because I do StrengthsFinder work with people, Gallup is always talking about engaged, disengaged, and actively disengaged. What we're talking about in this case here was an employee who used to be really highly engaged and that person has decided to move on because they've become disengaged. Now, it doesn't mean they became toxic. It doesn't mean that they stopped being good at what they do. What it means by becoming disengaged is that they didn't see 
opportunity anymore. They weren't being challenged. They weren't being pushed. There, there wasn't anything for them to really sink their teeth into, to get excited about. Now, here are four things that a high-performance workplace does consistently well. Here we go. Number one, they identify what the most important drivers are for the success this year. When I'm working with my clients, I'm referring to their initiatives. Uh, you know, in the 4DX book, the, the four disciplines of execution, they call that wildly important goals. I think that's a little bit off as well. I'm talking about what are the most important drivers for success this year? What do we need to do to drive change? And so you're looking at it from like a SWOT analysis, right? What are your strengths? What are your weak areas? What are the opportunities for growth? And what potential threats are there? But the first thing that they've done is they've identified what the most important drivers are for success this year. Now, number two, they take action on what drives those results. These are the things that we can do that will drive the success of those initiatives. For example, what, what are those things that managers are doing without fail, without exception, that causes employees to feel valued and appreciated? Well, in a progress meeting, we're giving them helpful and honest, timely feedback. We're checking in to see where they're at with their progress. We're giving them feedback how they're doing through our company values and our core behaviors. They know exactly where they're at. And they also are going to know uh, um, how their contributions are driving results. Now, that's a big time segue into number three because we're going to create systems. The best companies, the highest performing workplaces create a system to measure progress throughout the year. And it's this level of transparency that exposes what's going well as well as what's not going well. This is a good thing. This is healthy. What's going well? How do we do more of that? And where are we not firing on all cylinders? And what do we need to do to fix that? So this scorecard, this system to measure progress, it is essential and it needs to be open for people to be able to see whether it is just for their work or maybe you're at a manager level and a senior manager, executive level, you can see a snapshot of what's going on. Number four, without fail, a high performance workplace instills a culture of accountability and that leads to every person feeling ownership for that company's success. Right down to part-time employees, right down to jobs that may not feel like they're, they're necessarily contributing, except they are, because they wouldn't exist if they weren't important. But that sense of accountability, that culture of accountability starts to morph into ownership. And when people feel ownership, this is accountability at its finest because it becomes a gentler way of looking at it. It's much more proactive and it is not something to be feared. It's something that people desire. You're going to conduct highly purposeful progress meetings. And the second thing is you have to have great managers at every level. If, if that either one of those two things are broken down, the previous four major things that I'm saying that company has to do systematically is going to fail. Again, I use that one-on-one -on -one progress meeting as an example to illustrate unintended culture shift where people leave because they don't feel 
challenged. They don't feel like they've got opportunity. They don't know how they're doing. Uh, it's not that they don't feel liked or that they don't have friends there. It's that man, they don't see the path to something greater or more exciting for them or, or more fulfilling. Now, don't miss this. I can't stress enough how important it is to make your one-on-one meetings be conversational. That means you're listening as much or more than you're speaking. Managers, please don't miss that. Now, you're going to look at things specifically, uh, things around progress. Where are you ahead? Where are you behind? What roadblocks have you discovered? Did something happen that we didn't plan, that we didn't plan for or get or gets in the way accidentally? There's a lot of things that happen in business. Business moves very, very quickly. It could be technology issues. It could have been uh, there was an illness, and it might not even be the the direct you know that direct reports illness. It might have been somebody else on the team, and they were you know other people have to carry that load. That can slow progress. So let's have a conversation about it. Instead of saying, you're behind, we need to, need to get moving on this. Or what, you know, all the ways that this meeting can go wrong, I've seen them all. Well, I don't know if I've seen them all. I've seen a lot, and you have too. But, but here's the thing is, holding a meaningful progress meeting every month where you know these things, both sides know these things, and it's a conversation, you know what that does? It eliminates confusion and uncertainty which in turn increases effectiveness, it improves communication and collaboration, and ultimately higher quality output, and less of that bloat that we might experience in companies. You'll be able to stop measuring employee engagement. Oh my gosh, because engagement just happens. You won't have to worry about doing it. I believe that most companies measure employee engagement because they don't know what causes it, but they know they need to work on it. So that being said, I welcome your comments and your questions. What are your thoughts when you hear this? Do you, I don't know, you might disagree with me. You may agree. Uh, You know, one of the best things that I can have on a podcast here is, is this really isn't a a two-way conversation unless I'm trying to make ways for that to happen. So I really, truly do welcome your comments and your questions. Is there something you'd like me to clarify further? Is there a topic you'd like me to discuss? You know, let me know. I want to hear from you. And, And as I close, I just want you to remember this three lines. Conversations create clarity. Clarity produces action and action drives results. I'm James. Thanks for listening.